On today's show, the Milwaukee Bucks blown out by the Miami Heat at Las Vegas Summer League. And we've discussed the roller coaster nature of this Bucks team. They've had some good moments. They've had some not so good moments in Vegas. But what does it really matter for these particular players looking to get some rotation minutes on the Bucks? What should we take away from Vegas? They do have one more game to go. Uh, and then we might just dip our toes into one last little bit from the chat with John Horst and uh, the local media in Milwaukee because there were some interesting takeaways. So we'll get to all that. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Kane Pittman, you can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and sometimes on the weekend when the Australian Wi-Fi just can't get up for the task for a post-game Las Vegas Summer League game alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. So we are a little bit delayed today. We tried to do a post-game pod yesterday. I had no internet. So we're doing it here early on a Saturday morning for me, Friday night for Frank. As you all know, we don't have much uh, better to do. So we thought we may as well talk about the Summer League Bucks. They went down to the Miami Heat. Uh, before we get to that, we appreciate everyone jumping on board, supporting the show, and giving us your thoughts on what you're seeing from this Bucks team. So drop a like, a comment, subscribe, follow, do all those things wherever you're listening to Locked On Bucks, whatever platform it may be. It's free to do, and it really helps us. 91 to 72 was the final, Frank. And it, it's been interesting across uh, Summer League so far. I believe I said a statement along the lines of after game one, it was the best summer league basketball I've ever seen the Bucks play. And that was the, that was the height of optimism. We've seen some re- some really nice moments from these young players that we've been excited to watch, but clearly the last two games has been challenging this game against the heat. Again, the Bucks just really offensively in particular, not able to get much going at all. Uh, they have not shot the three well from the outside, which I think was an expectation coming in. So I don't know if you've got specific takes from this game, but the big picture thing that I was walking away from this game, just looking at this offense trying to function with, honestly, at most times, four guys on the floor that weren't really a threat from the outside. Uh, It doesn't seem like the personnel in this summer league team is anything you would ever see in any modern day NBA team right now. So how much should we actually care about how bad this offense looked the last few games? Um, I mean, I think... I think there's a couple things I think about, right? I think I think we're trying to get a sense of where, especially the rookies, mm-hmm. but also to an extent, you know, a guy like Marjan Bochamp, you know, especially since we've seen him for a year now, trying to get a kind of sense of where they are heading into, um, you know, this this coming season. And I think so. There's two P's. I think one, it's figuring out like, are any of these guys going to play this year? And if they mm-hmm. do, I mean, c- can they be like decent contributors or you know, if they play, is it going to be just like, man, you know, avert your eyes, like they're just not ready. Um, so I think there's that, that's part, I think the the most obvious calculus that we're doing, I think the sort of the separate thing that everybody's trying to do as well is just, and, and the harder part, to be honest, is say, what is the long-term value of these guys? Like, like what is the, the, the distribution of potential outcomes that you might see from these guys? And um I think you, you, there are some, some of the advanced metrics that, you know, that seek to try to project young players, you know, they, they kind of like 
do sort of these probabilistic outcomes where they say, you know, based on this profile, you know, we expect to, you know, run a hundred simulations, like hundred careers, and, you know, it can vary in different ways. And, you know, 20% of the time they'll just be out of the league in two years. And, you know, 30% of the time they become like a rotation player and blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, usually it's like basically not NBA player, you know, fringe rotation, rotation, starter, all-star, usually it starts, stops with all-star, but like something like that, right. We're trying to like bucket, like in some distribution of outcomes. And I think as we're watching this, we're all trying to figure out like, okay, are any of these guys popping, you know, we're all hoping that like somebody just shows like such a well-rounded skill set, or, you know, one or more just like really incredible above average skills that we think can translate maybe not this year, but ultimately develop into something that can, you know, put them into like good starter or, you know, gasp potential future all-star category, right? Like that's always the dream that we're going to see flashes from, from these guys. And so, you know, I think, I think the, the long-term prognosis piece is hardest, especially given that this year's group, I think skewed, you know, younger, right. You look at the, the rookies, Andre Jackson, Chris Livingston, you know, extend that to Amari Moore, who does have a two-way Jay-Z and Gortman, who might have a chance at a two-way, um, you know, th- those are four guys that obviously like none of us have watched like in this type of setting. Like, yeah, maybe you saw, you know, if you're a big college fan, maybe you watched, you know, Andre Jackson at UConn last year, given that they were the champion and, and went a long ways, but you know, we probably haven't seen these other guys a whole lot. Um, so I, I think that, that those are kind of the two lenses that I'm always kind of viewing this stuff with. And, and I think they're sort of like, I would almost divide, divide into two further pieces. It's like, like one is like, do we see like flashes of skill? And this is where like the eye test stuff, right? Like our guys doing stuff that just looks like, okay, that's an NBA type of capability that that guy has, right? Like Jay-Z on Gortman is a good example, right? Like physically, the physical tools there, like look at his numbers, like very unspectacular, but Mm -hmm. you look at just the way he kind of like moves on a basketball court, some of the hesitation stuff, getting to his own shot. um, There's something there that's like, not just like random dude in a summer league who's never going to sniff the NBA, right? He may never sniff the NBA, but feels like there's something there. And I think like when you think about guys just making like outrageous plays, like I mean, think back to a guy like, you know, Giannis, right? The best example. Hmm. Giannis didn't have like incredible stats as a second year guy in Vegas. I think he put up like 18 points per 36 on 57% true shooting. Didn't like get many assists at all. Like he was pretty much there just trying to, I think, only mainly create for himself. But he made plays that were Giannis type plays, right? Like he made plays that yeah. you don't see random dudes in summer league making. And so those are the kinds of things I think we, you kind of look out for and you're kind of trying to calibrate, like, okay, like, is there something there where like, if you develop that further, like that could become, you know, a rotation player, I, you know, hopefully a rotation player, right. Um, you're not just trying to develop 11th men in the NBA or something like that. So I think those are the kind of things that we're trying to look at. And, you know, I think if you look at like the numbers, you know, Marjan Bochamp, probably the, the most extreme example first two games, you know, the consistent, you know, the, there were some flashes, but I mean, he was consistently like productive, right? Shot yeah. about 50% the first two games and carried himself with confidence, looked like a guy who was a first round pick playing against summer league guys. Um, and then the next two games were, you know, mostly just, especially just from like a productive t- productivity standpoint, you know, a train wreck, right? Zero points in the third game, 10 points 
in the fourth game. I mean, he went seven straight quarters, Kane, without yeah. scoring a point in summer league. Yes. You know, this is a first round pick who had a lot of confidence and he goes scoreless for seven straight summer, seven straight quarters. I don't know what that means. I think you're absolutely right. Like a guy like Marjon, his role on this team, and especially in the first two games, it worked. He was creating his own shot. He was not just, you know, standing in the dunker spot and having guys find him for easy baskets. Like he was actually like creating for himself off the bounce. Um, and he was a, you know, a good shot maker and looked like the guy that we saw the good stuff from last year. The downside is then the next two games completely disappeared. Right. And didn't look assertive and looked like a guy who needed real NBA players around him who are much better than him, i.e. the Bucks actual starters and the Bucks actual rotation players in order to draw attention and get him easy shots, right? Which is what he's going to have in the regular season, provided he gets minutes. He's like sort of tell ourselves like, well, it doesn't really matter because, you know, you're not there with good players. But for the most part, I mean, that's true for most of these teams. I mean, you know, there's not a lot, you know, there's no, nobody's got Chris Paul playing point guard for them. Some mm-hmm. point guards are actually obviously... Oh, drop for a second. Um, so I, I think we can like kind of b- b- build in excuses. I think probably the other thing I would note, I, I mentioned this on Twitter the other night, but if you look at like statistically over the last decade, who have been some of the least productive Bucks players in summer league, the two funny guys that jump out are probably the two, <laughs> the two best players the Bucks have drafted, Malcolm Brogdon and Dante DiVincenzo. So just to kind of make it all the harder to figure out, like, what does any of this mean? Like, do we put any stock in this? You know, consider in 2016, Malcolm Brogdon couldn't shoot at all in summer league. I, I remember that shot. You know, his shot does not look like it should stretch out very far. The way he shoots, everybody can picture Brogdon shooting. And I just remember sitting in Vegas thinking, like, man, it doesn't look like he can get the ball to the rim on a 23-foot-nine three-point line he had a 38 percent true shooting he had like a 10 or actually it was like 11 per because he had a very good assist to turnover racer i think he was like 22 assists and three turnovers in that vegas stint that he had but like didn't didn't seem like he could really score effectively very low efficiency couldn't hit the three you know was playing point guard which you know he obviously didn't really do much in college and so it was very much i think a learning experience for malcolm brogdon i certainly didn't leave that experiencing like oh that guy's gonna win rookie of the year rookie of the year and you know be a future six man of the year and really good player in the nba likewise dante divincenzo was hurt and then comes in plays like a brief cameo scores one point in i i think almost 30 minutes of of, of summer league was 0 for 8 from the field i mean literally like just a disaster class you know this is when we were eric and i were joking about secret dante you know because we didn't see him he was injured blah blah, blah. so um so Again, like what you what you make of this, like, again, there's the eye test, like, what does it look like guys are really capable of doing? Are there things that they're doing that seem like they'll translate? And then I think there is sort of that more like statistical, like, was this guy good? Like Andre Jackson has a PER of 4.5 right now. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I know he's not like a guy that is ever going to score efficiently, but like, you know, like whatever he's doing on the court, like the good stuff, whatever bad stuff, like there's a heck of a lot more bad stuff than good stuff right now. And so you got to really like strain your eyes, I think, to see like, you got to really kind of rely on that eye test. Say like, well, but he's made, you know, the double block play in the first game and, you know, has made some good passes. So you got to really lean on like, uh, let's focus on some of that stuff. And that's another, you know, he's, he's maybe the best example of a guy who really needs to play with NBA caliber offensive players because he doesn't have, you know, 
let alone a shooting ability. He, he just can't, you know, he couldn't score in college either. So it's really hard for him in particular, I think, to be out there with a bunch of guys that, you know, just are not, you know, of, of the caliber of, you know, the Giannis's, Chris's, Drew's that, Drew's that he's going to be able to play with in the NBA. So it's, it's a hard environment, sure. But look, if you got, if, if these guys like don't pop at all, and I think that's sort of been the case for the most part here for the Bucks players so far. I mean, I think we can say like, it's hard for me to look at the group and say like, wow, like I've got a lot of confidence that there's going to be some huge leap made by anyone in this regular season. Right. doesn't mean that Marjan Bochamp can't be a good role player, potentially blossom as, you know, a fifth guy um, as a, as a role-playing guy in the NBA this year, but uh, there's a work to be done. And certainly like his three point shooting wasn't good. And that's obviously going to be a really huge skill swing skill for him when it comes to his NBA skill level. So it's good that we saw more from him off the dribble and things like that. Um, but again, I think it's more just, you know, it's almost like just sort of punting, like, okay, well, uh, strikes and gutters, the, there's some good stuff, some bad stuff. And like we always said, you can't win, you know, you don't win a, rot- a rotation role in Vegas. You got to just try to bring some stuff that you can then take, build some momentum going into training camp. But, you know, so far I'd say, uh, very, very mixed bag for, for pretty much all the Bucks guys that, that we'd want to talk about. Um, and uh, again, I, you know, I, I guess this is where we kind of really lean on the summer league is not very predictive thing because, you know, there, there certainly wasn't anybody who I'd say has really popped. And, you know, I, I look at, especially from a short-term perspective as like, oh yeah, that guy's like, that guy's playing. And I think that guy's going to be good this year. Maybe, right. I think you can look at the roster and look at some of the guys that departed and say somebody's got to play, but as far as like, are those guys going to be productive and who that's going to be? I think that's the hard part. And I think uh, getting back to the point you made about the types of guys that they've drafted as well, I think we need to balance what our expectations were on draft night, what type of player we thought they were. So I've got some thoughts on that that I want to get to next. We've got some cap stuff still coming at the back end uh, because I'm as confused as anyone here. Uh, the Bucks still have one summer league game though. We're going to discuss that next as well. But first. <laughs> Our friends at Bird Dogs, and I'm here to tell you, it is freezing outside right now. About half an hour ago, I went out, I grabbed a coffee, big jacket on, but then shorts. Someone walking down the street looked at me funny, asked about the shorts, and I said, this ain't just any shorts, this is Bird Dogs, and you can wear them in any weather. And I also, I know, I'm looking cooler than I usually would because Bird Dogs are very stylish as well, versatile. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton, that's because Bird Dogs came up with the cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any of the movement down there that uh, you like to have. You know what I'm talking about, Frank. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long, which is great because you might be sweating working out. Uh, maybe you're going on a date and you might be sweating just because you're nervous and you don't want to stuff things up and Bird Dogs is, is the way to go there. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter the promo code LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or use the promo code LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You want, want to take your Bird Dogs off? Uh, we promise you that. If you were starting to panic about what you were going to do on Saturday night, there's no need because the Bucks and the Kings, actually it's Saturday afternoon, I believe. It's a 3.30 tip off there. So you'll be able to watch some Bucks summer league action and then roll straight into your Saturday night. That sounds like a perfect uh, plan to me. Bucks and the Kings, 
I'm not actually sure who's going to play in this game because the, the Bucks social media after game four did tweet out the final score graphic with the caption, that's a wrap from Vegas. <laughs> Hopefully the team is still in Las Vegas because they do have another game to play. So we'll wait and see <laughs> who actually shows up to this game against the Kings. But uh, Bucks and Kings, 3.30 Central Time. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we'll have a podcast at some time. It might come uh, on the, in the usual uh, Monday time slot there, but we'll see. We'll have something to wrap up the final game, no matter who plays uh, there. I just wanted to continue on some of the thoughts you you made. So we all look at the situation the Bucks are in with the roster, the draft picks that they haven't been able to use. People will make the case that the draft picks that perhaps the Bucks didn't hit on, even though they haven't had a super, super desirable draft pick for a, a long time. But when you're getting into the 30s and literally the last pick in the draft, I think it's been interesting to look at the strategy for the Bucks. We go back over the last few years and it felt like they were just drafting guys that could maybe not do a lot else, but really shoot the three. This year, we just discussed the idea that it looked like it was more defensive athleticism, length, but not guys that really stood, stood out or jumped off the page offensively. So we kind of already knew that coming into summer league. So... I think that that's the perspective you have to have when you have all those guys together that have, particularly on the offensive end, been role players, haven't dominated. Even Bochamp, we've seen bits and pieces. So they all project as guys that probably will play better alongside star NBA players because we have seen the flashes of different stuff um, from those guys. But I guess long-term, that's not that exciting because if you are a Bucks fan and you're like, okay, well because of the situation we're in roster-wise, we really need to randomly hit on a star. But it's just really hard to do. And it doesn't actually look like the Bucks have gone down the path of the super high, crazy upside guy. They've gone for guys that they think might project to be, I don't know about 3 and D, but certainly defensive, versatile guys, the size, the athleticism. So it doesn't even feel like, and it's not to put a cap on what they can get to eventually over the next two, three years. We hope it does work out. But as I'm trying to assess what we've seen on the floor from Summer League, I go back to the conversations we had on draft night and we probably didn't think that they drafted guys that were going to come in and tear Summer League apart. Yeah, and I, again, I, I kind of just keep coming back to the idea of like, you know, like it, it's it's like a portfolio of assets and, you know, like uh, I... For, for the record, I'm not like somebody who, who is, believes in picking stocks. So, you know, I guess I would have been a bad uh, person to run an NBA team and have to, to draft individual players. Um, but, you know, I think you, I think it's become more common for people to think about, you know, the idea of like, well, you know, sometimes even if the, the you're, you're always likelier to get a better player at a higher pick, if you can just trade down and just get like a couple guys that you think Hey, they're they're maybe not as good as as a guy we'd get, you know, 10, 15 spots higher. But if we get two of them, then we're not doubling our odds of success. But I think in many cases, you know, you can get in situations where you are then more likely to get one if you've at least got multiple picks. Um, and so I think there's probably that that's probably a bit of you know why the Bucks bought another an extra pick this year and you know why mm-hmm. they wanted to use the 58th pick and you know they. Uh, they had that pick a year ago with Hugo Basson. Maybe Hugo Basson never plays in, in in Vegas again. You know, he was he practiced with the team. I think he was coming back from the hip injury. You know, my guess is he probably never plays a minute for the NBA for for the uh, for the Bucks. But again, like you just sort of like they're little scratch tickets. Maybe you know Powerball tickets. Not so much maybe when you're drafting late in the second round. But um, 
But if you just get, you give yourself kind of multiple chances. Again, you just hope that somewhere, somewhere along the line that, you know, one of these guys can hit. Cause, cause let's be honest. I mean, if the bucks can get, could get like one good starter. Yes. It's last big. year, this year, even next year, it'd be huge. I mean, that's a, that's a huge get, especially now with these rookie deals, even for second round picks being up to four years, we saw both of the new guys get uh, four-year deals, only a couple of years guaranteed. Um, so ironically, I guess Chris Livingston got more guaranteed money <laughs> than Andre Jackson, I think, which, uh, you know, I'd say uh, Andre Jackson probably can look at his agent and be like, dude, seriously, let Clutch just wreck you on the negotiating table like that. Like I can get more than Chris Livingston, but whatever. Um, but yeah, honestly, I think it's just like, you know, get more opportunity. I think that having, having three two-way spots, I think helps every team, but I think it's, it's an opportunity that I was going to call it exciting, like maybe not, maybe exciting for the sickos like us. Um, but I think it is, you know, another, another option to just basically say like, all right, well, maybe, maybe one of these guys hits, right? I mean, last year you got AJ yep. Green who hit enough that you now are giving him a real NBA contract. Um, it was interesting, John Horace, I think in, in Eric's discussion with him, I mean, sort of alluded to like them believing that AJ Green could like he, he doesn't necessarily need to just be like a three point specialist. Like they think he, he could develop into, you know, a more, um, more well-rounded. That's my language, not uh, John horse, but you know, that he could unlock potentially more dimensions to his game. I'm maybe not so optimistic on, on that, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think honestly, it's just about like, you know, we talk about like, well, you know, all these guys like are, are like two threes, right? Like maybe some of them, Chris Livingston, maybe he profiles more like a small ball four even, but like, I think that's fine to be honest. Cause like, I don't, I don't envision a world where like all these guys are going to have earned minutes. So if you have, you know, uh, maybe the most useful position when you're contending is finding these like defensive wings that can actually like do something offensively, ideally shoot, but with Andre Jackson, you know, it probably would be other stuff besides shoot. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if you basically just draft a bunch of guys who fit that, profile you alluded to it like fit an athletic profile and that could become good defensive players like there's a clear line for them clear trajectory for them to be good defensive players and then again you hope that at least one of them develops offensively enough that either they can shoot pass do other things do a bunch of things that you can actually turn that player into uh, a good two-way player in the nba yeah, I mean, just you just hope for one. And again, I, I asked the question on Twitter in a poll last night. Just, you know, I was like, well, who who do you value the most? I, I was trying to think about how to frame the, the question. Um, I was sort I of, voted. I was thinking even from the perspective of like trade value, like which guy would you least want to, you know, lose or something like that if you were, you know, there was an expansion draft and you could only protect, you know, X number of guys or something. Um, not surprisingly, Marjan Bochamp, was between Bochamp, Jackson, Livingston, and AJ Green, which again I, I ignored. You know, Amari Moore and um, you know Jay Z and Gortman and some of the guys that that aren't really part of this. I, I also in, didn't include Lindell Wigginton because I could only include uh, four. Maybe I would have included Lindell if I had, if I had five. But um, Bochamp, sixty-four percent. Andre Jackson, twenty-four percent. AJ Green, nine percent. And Chris Livingston, three percent. Seems about right. I, yeah. I was I was curious if if AJ Green might get a bigger group just cause like we actually saw him, like he's the only one of these guys who's actually really shown like a clear NBA skill with his three point shooting last year for the Bucks. So I mean, I thought it was a little interesting that like 
you know, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, kind of AJ Green momentum there. But um, but I would say that's probably pretty, pretty fair um, in terms of, you know, what I would expect, again, reflecting kind of the draft order in large part. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you need, you need one of these guys and, I, you know, from what we've seen so far, I, you know, I have a hard time like picking one and feeling like super confident in, in any individual guy. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm really curious to see training camp. And I think just you do the math on the roster. I mean, you lost Javon Carter, you lost Joe Ingles second half of the season. Those guys obviously played every night. They played real minutes every game. And so you've got, you know, whatever you want to call it, 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes, maybe of, you know, of game, of game action that, that you need to replace. And in terms of, you know, who's going to replace that. Okay. Chris Middleton's going to, you know, hopefully ramp up his minutes a little bit more from, from where he was during the regular season. Malik Beasley is obviously going to play. I don't know that Robin Lopez is going to play a whole lot. So my assumption is he probably doesn't play a whole lot, but you know, it's pretty much like Beasley, Jay Crowder, I assume is going to play more than he did last year, but he was obviously playing last year as well. And then question mark, right? I mean, that's the opportunity for probably one of these guys. I'm sure different, different, uh, different young guys will get chances at different points during the season. I'm, I'd be surprised if, you know, Bochamp and Andre Jackson don't get chances. AJ Green probably gets some chances. Um, But there's probably, you know, like one, (laughs) one full-time equivalent role here that, that, you know, is going to be available throughout the season. And I think the question is like, does anybody, you know, really pop to the point that like they claim that spot and, you know, by playoffs, like they actually are in that discussion. Cause as, as you always point out, like really for a team like the bucks, like it's, it's ultimately just like a top eight question, right? Like, you know, it's all fine to, to be a, you know, good 10th man as a rookie. That's cool. But are you going to play in the playoffs? Like probably not. Yeah. And when you talk about stretches of basketball, like there was probably more flashes for someone like Andre Jackson. Like there was just like real moments within quarters where you're like, okay, I can see it. He really does seem to have pretty good vision for a guy that's, you know, not a, not going to be a true point guard. So I love that. But Bochamp was the one guy, and this is probably why, first of all, people know him. He's been around for 12 months. They've seen little bits and pieces, certainly like the work ethic, but there was actually quarters and like long stretches in those first two games where he really did to take over the game. So that's probably why um, the optimism is there. But as I pointed to at the start of this show, I don't envisage those three guys, maybe in a blowout, but I don't envisage those three guys being on the floor together. And I don't think they necessarily complement each other right now. Maybe they will in the future, but right now I don't think those three guys necessary, uh, necessarily complement each other's game. And that's where you throw a Chris Milton in there. And a Brooke Lopez and a Giannis. And I think that all those guys potentially uh, could show a little bit more. And uh, I agree with you. For the Bucs, it, at this point in time, when you're drafting in the second round, uh, you probably look at who can be a, a rotation guy or an every night player. And that would be a big win. Even though, you know, as a fan, you like to dream a little bit bigger than that. Uh, I've got a call, a work call. I got to go to so that's shelf the first apron, second apron, chef's apron, uh, to 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 wrapping up the summer league because there's another game, Bucks and Kings. Uh, any final thoughts on the Miami game or or anything we've seen here or anything else you just want to uh, get off your chest here, Frank? Uh, just curious to see who plays who in plays. this Saturday game. Yeah. You know, if it's all uh, you know, 
people related to Bucks coaches because nobody else uh, wanted to stick around Vegas. That that uh, that could happen. I don't I don't know. We AJ unfortunately AJ Griffin will not be playing for the Bucks. He's the the best of those options. But you know, Vin Baker Jr., Alan Griffin. Um, I think there's another Griffin son somewhere out there. I, I think I, it's escaping me, but um, yeah, maybe, maybe there are, uh, maybe there are others out there that, uh, that we can, that we can dig up. Um, I don't know. Terry Stotts is six, eight, like get him out there. You know, maybe can he run some kind of point forward maybe for us, like be the coach Probably. on the floor. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I, I, let's just say this, like, I don't think any, <laughs> I don't think any of the bucks have, shown themselves to be too good for summer league at this point. So um, we'll see if, uh, if, if anybody gets a rest just to let others play. Cause honestly, that's kind of the, the, the curse of this team was that there are a bunch of guys that I think you kind of wanted to get a look at, but um, it obviously has not ultimately been a great environment for, for necessarily doing so. I mean, you know, guys like Amari Moore in particular, give him a start tomorrow. Come on. Give him a start. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be kind of my question is like, do you just basically say like, you know, we're going to, play like more in Gortman a bunch and you know maybe you know I mean like AJ Green I, I I didn't really think AJ even not that he was too good for this but like I I don't know if yeah. on some level I was just kind of like I don't think I'm gonna learn a whole lot although as you were alluding to like maybe maybe he was pretty important that he did play just because to have his uh, to have his shooting out there um you know because I think that was something that jumped out with Marjon like just you know when he was out there like it, it didn't really feel like he was getting like he was not sitting around wide open waiting for shots and having opportunities to, to get really good looks. It was obviously a lot of having to create for himself, which again, yeah, that's not really what he's going to be necessarily asked to do at the NBA level, but a good test for him. Right. I mean, again, mm-hmm. like I, I don't think he's sort of past the, like he's got a whole bunch of upside that we've been ignoring test. I think, you know, the, the role player goal is still the role player goal. Um, but now I think obviously for, for all these guys, I think it's probably pretty, pretty similar, right? Like, I don't think anybody's worrying too much about stardom at this point. Like, you know, try to figure out how you can be an NBA player and be a guy that contributes to, to any NBA team, you know, and obviously for a team like the Bucks with the goals that they have, the ambitions that they have, the, the level that the rest of the team is at, it's, it's not easy being a rookie for sure. No, it's a good way to wrap it up. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, what happens in this last game here against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we'll have a podcast at some point, as I mentioned, whether it comes straight after or it might just be the usual Sunday night special and we'll get it up for you for your Monday morning over there in the US as we start a new weekend. Uh, really after this, it's going to be interesting. We'll be able to talk some big picture stuff with the Bucks. Uh, we are leading up to uh, the FIBA World Cup as well. There'll be a couple of players that uh, might be worth uh, watching there or discussing. We're not sure what's going to happen with Giannis, but the basketball won't stop, that's for sure. So keep it locked on uh, this podcast, Locked On Bucks, and let us know your thoughts on everything we discussed. Are you feeling positive or are you, are you down in the dumps about the Summer League Bucks? All right, enjoy your weekend. We'll speak to you next time.